Hi everyone, my name is Haley. And this is Laura. And welcome to The Body Pod. All right, welcome. Today we have Laura and Jamie. And Laura has is going to walk us through the process of surrogacy. So Jamie is her surrogate and she is about to give birth as we are recording this podcast. <laughs> Currently having contractions. <laughs> Literally having contractions and you're 38 weeks right now, 39. Going into 38 weeks. Going into 38 weeks. So, I mean, we're going to hope that we get this all down because it's such an emotional and important topic that we want to cover. So we're just going to get right to all of the questions. Some of you have sent questions into Lara, so we will be answering those as well. But first off, Lara, I want you to walk us through your journey of how you even got to the point of feeling like surrogacy was the right, the right thing for you to do. Okay. So I got the decision of having a surrogate when I was told that I wouldn't be able to carry a baby. And they said I could try, but we only had two viable embryos and my fertility doctor had told me from the beginning when I had met with her years prior, listen, because of your age, because of your egg count, follicle count, because of all of these things medically, your best bet would be to get a surrogate. And I think that that was her way too of planting the seed way before, um, because I'm sure she could see this isn't her first rodeo. She knows what she's doing. And so, um, I was devastated when she even brought it up. And frankly, I was a little offended because you just assume like you're going to be able to get pregnant easily. And then if you can't get pregnant easily, at least you still will be able to in some way carry your own, carry your own child. So now, I mean, I am forever grateful for the medical advances and that this is even an option or I wouldn't even be having a baby. Um, yes. but yeah, it really was. I went through the process of mourning the loss of me being, you know, carrying my own baby and having that experience and all of those things. And then after I did that and took the time to really mourn it, I guess I just celebrated that there was a solution and the, a path to having our baby. So that's how it all came about. Yes. And I think it's important to what you said just stuck out into my mind of you have this way that life is supposed to go. And pregnancy is just for a lot of women, that's part of the path. And, you know, it's never like you go to this option at the very first. And I know that I have been with you through the years of you, you know, getting married and trying these other avenues and our paths don't always look the same. They, there's different ways to get the same result, but I think that it's, I remember you talking to your doctor and it was, I don't think you were very nice when she brought it up the first time. No, I know. And I was pumped full of hormones. So I probably wasn't responding in the best manner anyway. (laughs) It was pretty bad. But I do think like, I just, yeah. I think once you can wrap your head around it and know that it might not look the way you want it to, but what is the end goal? And then- it's okay if it looks different. Absolutely. And I think you kind of go through, I don't know, I haven't experienced it, but a little bit of those stages of grief, just like anything that happens that isn't really part of the plan. And you have to be like, get to the point where you're okay and even ready to entertain something of this magnitude. So Laura, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you right now? I actually do mind you asking. (laughs) 
Are we not discussing this? I mean, I guess I have to, right? (laughs) Jamie knows. I was like, because you're carrying my baby, I will tell you. Oh, okay. I mean, I can. You can say mid 40s. You can say early 40s. Yeah, I'm mid 40s. Okay, perfect. But my truth is like 32 to 37. So, oh, well, you look 32 to 37. So, I think everyone is going by that. Yes, I'm 45. Is All right. So, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Oh so, as far as, you know, where, where does someone listeners here that are listening to this podcast probably have a lot of questions that are in the same boat. Where do you even begin the journey? So you start with your fertility doctor, I would imagine. Are they the ones that kind of lead you down this path or how does that actually work? Yes. I mean, I think, I think that you where you start is with your fertility doctor because you are most likely looking into surrogacy because you have gone through infertility and you are working with a fertility specialist. But I will say, I also think that surrogacy could be a choice that you just want to make. Um, So, and there's no shame in that either. I think that if someone wants to choose to have a surrogate versus carrying them, um, then that's okay too. It's whatever you want. Um, and so I, I would say as far as someone who's going down the same path as me, it would be with your fertility doctor, your, um, fertility clinic. That's kind of the best way to start. Cause you're probably already working with them and then they will give you all the different options. Um, and, really the two ways to go about surrogacy is you do it with, uh, you do it privately or you do it with a fertility agency. And when it comes to a fertility agency, you hire them, you usually pay a pretty big retainer and they kind of do all the work. Um, so it's really, kind of two different avenues. Like you either find someone yourself and someone kind of acts as the agency, which in my case, it's the fertility clinic or you hire an agency. So it's kind of really just two different paths. And I am lucky that Utah Fertility Clinic, um, they act as an agency. And so they did all of Jamie's you know, medical, you have to get a medical evaluation and they work side by side with the legal team and the psychologists and all of the things you have to do in order order to have a surrogate. Um, So yeah, those are the two options, but I would say nine times out of 10 people start with their, because they're having infertility issues and then they start with the fertility doctor and then they lead them down that path. Um, so yeah. Okay. So how common is this? Because for those of us that have never known anyone going down this path, I don't even know how common it is. Is it common? It is. I actually wish I had the exact numbers in front of me so we can even, um, put the post those somewhere at a different time, but it is, way more common than you would ever imagine. There are thousands and thousands of surrogates that are pregnant right now in the U.S. and in so many other countries. Um, It's way more common than you would expect. And I mean, I think that my fertility doctor said she couldn't give me an exact number, but she said that I would be shocked if I knew just how many surrogates there were in this moment in Utah alone, just in the state of Utah. And then when you start looking into surrogacy and you see how many agencies there are um, nationwide and then globally, it's pretty shocking. So, and the infertility issues are rising so fast and it's just, it's honestly like an epidemic, just how many women are experiencing infertility issues now. 
And do you have any idea why? What would be your take on that? I mean, I, my first guess, I mean, obviously this is my opinion and it's not from a, um, educational intellectual coming from a doctor, obviously Mm -hmm. standpoint, but uh, my guess would be the food we eat and environmentally maybe, um, different issues like that. I mean, I would say that I have always cared about my health. I've always been physically active. I've always really watched what I ate, took vitamins, you know, I've always really cared about my health and wellness. And so I really think that it's, it doesn't matter if you are healthy or not healthy. It's people of all ages, demographics where are experiencing it. So I don't know. I think maybe environmentally, maybe things are, I think hormones, like our bodies, hormones, maybe, I don't even know. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. I, I definitely would have said the exact same thing. I think that there's a lot of us, well, most of us have been on different medications for X amount of time Mm -hmm. and you don't know the ramifications of that necessarily. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our food system for sure. And a lot of the just environmental issues that, that you don't have control over. And we're seeing a rise in all sorts of autoimmune diseases and different issues and food sensitivities. So it totally makes sense that it would affect, at least make sense in my mind, that infertility could, that could be one of the reasons why. But a, a fascinating conversation just to kind of see, you know, where this was. 10 years ago, 30 years ago, um, what, what that would have looked like compared to today. So super fascinating. What role do you play Laura? Obviously, well, let's ask this question because this is a hot one that I know was on your list too. (laughs) Anyone that's, that knows me and that's asked me because they know I'm friends with you want to know, is this your egg and Carl's sperm. Is it your actual baby? You mean uh, genetically? Our like genetic our baby. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I know that. I am shocked at how many people asked the same exact question to me also. Um, yes. This is, it is my egg and Carl's sperm and it is our genetic is that how you would say offspring it? Or offspring, yeah. Like, yes. So it is our DNA. It's yeah. our baby. Um, and I, d- I do want to, s- I do want to say this to everyone. I, I know some people because I've had long conversations with um, my fertility clinic about all the different options, and they have told me that. Some people have just tried a round of IVF once and it didn't work. And they were like, look, we just want to go straight to a donor egg or a donor sperm because that's your option. If it's not my egg and it's not Carl's sperm, you have to, wherever the issue is, if it's Mm -hmm. the sperm or the egg, you have to get a donor egg or donor sperm. So I, they said some people are like, oh yeah, we tried it once. Let's just get a donor egg. And it's, it honestly is, it's like nothing to them. They don't have an attachment emotionally, physically, and they just want to move forward, which I think is incredible mm-hmm. for me. When they said, if this, if X, Y, and Z doesn't work, you like your option would be a donor egg. And I was devastated. I mean, I cried for days, days. And I, I mean, when they told me that I said, it's a no, like, no, this is going to work. I don't want to do it. And she said, I look, just, just think about it. Just, I understand how hard it is and, you know, validating my emotions, but I only bring this up because I'm a pretty open book and I'm fine with anyone asking me any question because I've just, I don't know. I would say I'm pretty vulnerable and just raw and open. 
Yep. But I will say that that could be a really sensitive question for some people. And you wa- you might want to be really cautious in how you ask that question um, to people who are going through this experience, because that could be the thing that has been the hardest and that has like broken their heart and that they're just trying to like overcome and wrap their head around it. But for the record, yes, it is my egg and it is Carl's sperm. And this was our last genetically viable embryo with our DNA that Jamie is now carrying. <laughs> oh, I have the chills. And I know. Just for the record, if you weren't one of my absolute best friends, I can't imagine asking the question to someone who's using a surrogate, but we all know that there are people out there that ask things that you're a little shocked over. So I'm sure that like, Jamie, you've probably had a lot of questions too, that sometimes you're like, I don't know if that was appropriate to ask, but whatever. Oh yeah. And that Jamie, you've got to share one. Like when she's at her work, like one of the one of the questions she gets a lot that like she's been offended by, you've got to tell them. Which one was it? I know. Well, there, there, been a couple. Couple. <laughs> there have been a couple. I think one of them is like, are you going to be sad that you don't get to keep yes. the baby? Yeah. You so are you going to be sad if you don't, that you don't get to keep the baby after? That's the, the question. That is the biggest question that I am asked is, are you going to be sad that you aren't taking a baby home from the hospital? And a lot of people will say, they phrase it of, are you sad that your baby isn't coming home with you? And my first response, well, this is not my baby. This is Carl and Laura's baby. So while I'm very much attached to her and love her and have a really great connection with her, she is not mine. And I am just taking care of her until it is time for her to go home to her mom. And that's been the biggest question for me is, are you going to be sad? And it will be emotional, but in a very rewarding way, not in a sad way. Yes. Oh, you guys, I'm crying and I don't even cry. I know. That was worded so profoundly and perfectly. Yeah. And I just, I mean, it's like you're giving a miracle to someone that you care about. Can we talk about your relationship before? How did you guys connect? Did, Did you know each other before the whole surrogacy? Yeah, no, we knew each other before. And Jamie actually, um, if you need to stand up, no, sorry, these stretchers are cheap and creaky. No, no, Jamie and I knew each other before. Um, When I, I moved back to Utah during COVID and I started just doing eyebrows again, which what I thought would just be a pop-up for a few months, Mm -hmm. which here I am three years later, still doing it. And I'm still here in Utah. So, but um, she came into me and I felt like I had met you and we know a lot of the same people, her friends are friends with mine, et cetera. And so when I, when she came in, she said, Oh, I'm so glad you're back and you're doing brows. I wanted to come to you. And so, yeah, she just started coming to me. So I got to see her every four or six weeks. And I mean, it's hard not to like Jamie. So we just became fast friends and, but she was a client and a friend and I had no idea that she wanted to be a surrogate and she had, she has wanted to be a surrogate long before like we became friends. So interesting how people come into your life. And at the time you don't necessarily know their role and what they'll play in your life until later Mm -hmm. down the line. So that is, that's really neat that that was the connection before, uh, you know, you guys went down this path. So yeah, super so beautiful. fascinating. Is this, since you have been carrying the baby, Jamie, does Laura come to the, like, how does that work? Do you go Laura with, with Jamie to the appointments or co- go to some of them? Or is there a rule or is it up to the two people that are involved? So Laura has been amazing. She comes to every single appointment, everything that she can, she is involved in. 
which I think is really important to help with her bonding with her baby, being able to give input, see how everything is going. That's the thing with this experience that has been the best for me is it feels very personal and it's not transactional. Mm-hmm. Yes. A hundred percent. Do you have anything to add to that, Laura? Yeah, no, I'm just so grateful that she's close because some people, their surrogates end up being out of state or, you know, really far away. And I'm just, I mean, I just feel so blessed and grateful that she's so close and I'm able to go to everything. And I love that she is just so open and welcoming and wants me to be there. It's just been amazing. Yes, I agree. I, Jamie, I'm sure people want to know, do you have children of your own? Yes, I have three of my own. So I have 11, eight and six years old. Perfect. And how have they felt about this? You know, when you explained what was happening? Luckily, my kids are old enough. So they really understood the concept very well. They understand that this is not their sister, but they are also very excited to meet her and have her in their life, but in a just a different way that you don't normally see. So they're all very excited. When I went to my youngest, her parent-teacher conferences last year for kindergarten, um, apparently she's been teaching the entire kindergarten class about surrogacy. So the teacher said that she's had a couple moms talk to her about it. So that was a fun thing that they're learning and are excited about. That is adorable. And I think, like you said, Laura, if this is definitely growing in numbers, this is mm-hmm. something that I think you know, will could be taught in the school system when we're talking about all of these things. This is an option and, and more kids are going to be familiar with it because more people are actually having surrogates and going down the road that you have been down. Yeah. And that's one of Jamie and I's goals. We want to help normalize it because we don't want it to be this taboo topic or even just an unknown um, situation or path to have a baby. Mm-hmm. So the more we can share what we're going through and just information about surrogacy makes us really happy. Yes. Is there any fear that either of you had going into this that maybe you don't have anymore, but like, was there something that you were just like, I don't know about this, or I'm worried about this or anything that just off the top of your head. Was there for you? I'm trying to think. I think for me, my biggest fear was that it wasn't going to work. Mm -hmm. So that even if I did everything perfect, everything exactly to the book, that it wasn't going to work and there would be some self-blame. And so I think that going into it was my biggest stress. Yes. I, I mean, that would probably be, that's one of my, that was my biggest fear too, is that it didn't work because we had an embryo that didn't take and it didn't work. Not that, um, not with Jamie, but, and that was probably one of mine, but it's, What's so funny is you would not have known. I mean, Jamie is cool as a cucumber and you would have never known that she was worried about that. Um, I feel like you're very composed and like good. At it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, our fear was, yeah, that it wouldn't work either, but we didn't really feel like that had anything to do with Jamie. Like we know that it just is what it is and there's risk and everything. But um, I'm trying to think there. I didn't have any fear with Jamie. I felt like, I think that maybe a fear that I've talked to other people about and that um, is if you're not able to communicate with your surrogate or there's miscommunication or like, you know, what is your expectation? What's our expectation? You know, meeting expectations and all of those things. And you know, it's like a really intimate and vulnerable situation, you know, Absolutely. like they're implanting our baby inside her body. And you're yeah. just, you know, it's like a very, very intimate and sacred situation. And so it was actually really nice that like, I just loved Jamie and respected her as a human. 
and that I got to go through this experience, Carl and I both, um, my husband and I both, with someone that we just trust and respect and just adore, you know, and so we feel really grateful for yeah. that. So, oh, so I didn't have a lot of reservations, I guess, is to your question. So Jamie, you brought up a good point. I, I think that they're just my personality. If I were in your shoes, I think that it is, you know, it could add a, a lot of uh, pressure on you because you're like, well, my other pregnancies, I don't know if they were easy or not, but you, you never know how a pregnancy is going to go. And I mean, totally different situation, but like one of my sons was really small and the placenta, the doctor was like, that was the saddest looking placenta. And for months, I was like, what did I do? Did I work out too hard? Did I not eat well? I mean, there's like so many variations that just happen with the miracle of carrying a baby that you just don't think of that, you know, I think it's a fair point for you to bring up that there's, there could be a little bit of stress and just, you know, weight on your shoulders being the one that is carrying the fetus, the baby. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, that's, that's super interesting. Do you still feel that way? Do you still feel like there's a lot of like pressure or like stress carrying her? I think it comes in waves definitely. Mm -hmm. So, but knowing that everything has been done how it should relieves a little bit of that. But I always tell people, I feel like when you're carrying your own baby, you're so careful and cautious. And this is at like What's the word? Times 10 times, times a million, you feel that much more responsible. And so I think that's been not necessarily a stress, but it has definitely weighed on your mind. Cautious. Yes, for sure. I mean, I know that when my kids were younger, I would, you know, obviously watch them. But then if anyone else's kids came over, I was like, on them like a hawk, like they can't get, they can't fall down. Uh, it's gonna look like not a on my watch. Yeah. <laughs> my kids can do whatever they want, but these kids, <laughs> I'm watching after ten times. So, what does this next question? What does it look like once Jamie is released from the hospital? Is there like, do you again? Do you make up your own rules of what that looks like after, or? you know, does Jamie come to see the baby or how how does that work? Or have you even got there yet? Do you want to answer? Yeah. So I think there's no set right or wrong way to do it. And every surrogacy agreement is a little bit different. Luckily for me, Laura and I are on the same page of where I would love to see the baby and be involved and know how things are going. But from a distance while we're continuing to live our own lives um, I don't want that just cut off and ended. So mm-hmm. we are luckily really agree on how that can be. But I do know people also have been in situations where they don't agree on the correct or how they want to handle that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with some surrogacy agencies, like, for example, if she lived in Florida or something, I there's some agencies that they really are the form of communicate the line of communication. And so the gestational carrier, the surrogate talks to the agency and then the agency talks to the parents and they don't really have a relationship at all. And we didn't want that, but there might be some people that that feels better for them. So really you are able to kind of tailor the experience as to what you want it to be just for people listening. And some people might not want to have a connection and have it be more transactional. And so luckily Jamie and I and Carl, that's not what we wanted, but, um, you know, there's lots of legal, um, there's like, a lot of legal aspects that go into surrogacy also. But as far as that goes, yeah, it's really up to um, us and the surrogate. And yeah, Jamie and I 
Like we want her and her kids in our life forever. We want them to come to the birthday parties, like all of the things. And yeah, she asked if her, her kids want to come to the hospital and meet her um, after she's born. And I mean, Carl and I just start crying because we just feel so blessed that they feel like they were a part of it because they were, they've all sacrificed and they've all, you know, they've, our baby has heard them talking for nine months and hanging Mm -hmm. out. And so we're just so grateful. And so, yeah. So our relationship will continue are there different rules? I'm sure each state probably has different rules as far as surrogacy. And I want to ask because, Laura, when I was with you up at your house like a month ago, I remember Carl saying something about Utah treats it almost like an adoption or something, or maybe I mis- misheard that. I don't know. No, you didn't miss hear that. No, Utah is such a conservative state. And so they treat surrogacy like an adoption. That's how they were able to get around surrogacy law. Not every state is like that. Um, every state is different. Um, well, not every single state, a lot of the states kind of follow the same guidelines, but there are several states that, um, yeah, have had to work around surrogacy law and, um, or they're written different or they have stricter regulations or rules. Okay. Interesting. So, because I remember asking, I was like, you guys could have a baby. I mean, Jamie could go into labor, you know, I think it was like 35, 36 weeks. This is a valid time when someone could go into labor and Carl's like, well, I hope not because the paperwork isn't all done. (laughs) Yeah. So if she would have given birth before the paperwork wasn't filed with the state of Utah and they did not grant us custody of our baby, then Jamie would have had the legal rights to it. And so people are like, aren't you guys freaking out? And I said, no, because I know Jamie and Jamie would write on a piece of paper. I have zero rights. This is their parents. Sign it. We would sign it. And like, yeah, Jamie isn't going to try and run off with our child. So we weren't worried, but obviously it was kind of a, it was a huge stress and yeah, it just, yeah. So that is true. So each state is different and I'm trying to remember, we can also put this somewhere. There is a website, um, that's really good where it has a whole map of the United States and you can click on each state and it kind of gives you the breakdown of the surrogacy law. So um, I'll find that and we can um, share that with people because that's a really good um, resource. Oh, absolutely. I'm curious. I would bet that Utah is probably one of the higher or highest state for surrogacy. Oh yeah, for sure. So bonus that you still, when you moved back and didn't think you were going to stay, that you stayed. (laughs) Honestly, there's so many reasons why it's good. We're still here. Yes. Have you ever been a surrogate before now? I have never been a surrogate (laughs) before now. Um, Once again, I don't know. Oh. How have people around you reacted to the surrogacy news? Anything negative? I'm going to have you answer first. We sort of answered this, but this is kind of a more specific. Um, how have people reacted to you? Anything negative? or? For the most part, it's been really positive. Everyone's very excited. Um, the number one question is how we, what's, how do I phrase it? Like how it all came about? Yes. I would say the number one question that I get is how it came about between the two of us and how I ended up being Laura's surrogate. And being a surrogate is something that I've thought about in the past. I have three really healthy kids and I feel so blessed that I had healthy pregnancies. And so it's something that I've been thinking about for years, but wasn't ever anything that I was actively seeking And so when I found out that Laura was looking for a surrogate, it just felt so right. And it felt like the perfect time and it all just lined up. 
Did you ever have any reservations? You know, once you kind of put your name in, in the hat, so to speak, did you ever think, <laughs> oh, this is a massive commitment? You know, I think I wanted to do it. I mean, was there any hesitancy at first? Yeah, I think for me too, most everyone is just, most people know the struggle that Carl and I have gone through to have a baby. And so people are just overjoyed and just super excited and so kind and nice like they are with Jamie. But you do get some, um, you do get some remarks that I actually don't think people mean to have come across like offensive or rude or anything like that. Um, but you know, it's like anything else. I mean, not everyone, this is kind of a, a newer situation that not everyone is well-versed in. And so you just give people grace. Um, but to be honest, I feel like we have been so lucky because most everyone is just celebrating alongside and could not, be more excited and just really recognize how beautiful it is and just how surrogates are angels. I mean, literal angels. It's just the most selfless thing you could ever do for anyone ever. So, um, and I do think, um, like what Jamie said, people really always want to know, like, how did you find her? How did this even happen. And I mean, we touched on how Jamie and I know each other, but people have also been saying like, you guys look like sisters. You guys look so much alike. And we are like (laughs) the same height about two and like body frame and everything. And so it is funny, but I didn't even think about that until someone had said it. Uh And it obviously was not a prerequisite for me that I'm like, I want someone that looks like my sister and is cute. (laughs) I mean, it's like, you just want a body that knows how to carry a baby and will get your yeah. baby here. Like mm-hmm. to me, that was like all I cared about. And so um, it is kind of interesting because how it came about with Jamie and I, I was going to try, Haley, you probably remember this. I was sick about it for like two months because my doctor said, listen, you have two embryos and kind of like once you try it, if it doesn't work, like, you know, that baby is like, it really feels like your baby has died. Like you were, it's horrible. And so she said, listen, if you want to try, we can try and get your body to do that. And I mean, this is personal, but I am not in menopause, but I have not had a period for like two and a half, three years. So I, you know, she knows my body is going away from baby making mode and she knows my end goal is to have a baby. So she Mm -hmm. wants to give me like to have success in what my end result is. And so if you put the embryo in me, even though I'm the genetic mother or Jamie, it's the same risk the like percentage of it taking and the percentage of it not taking is the same. So you would think because it's going in me, you would have a higher chance, but it really is like the risks are the same. And so she was like, it'd be better for you to put it in someone that is young, whose body is in baby making mode, whose body, because I've never been pregnant. And so Mm -hmm my body doesn't know what it's doing and Jamie's does. And so anyway, I was going to try, I was being stubborn and like, listen, I, I think I should just try. And then if not, I will move forward and do a surrogate. That's what we'll do. And then I got in a ski accident and had to have major knee surgery. And my knee surgery ended up being the day that I was supposed to try and implant the baby. I remember And I was sick about it, like did not know what to do. And I felt like that was the universe or God or whatever you want to say, whatever you believe in, like telling me, okay, we gave you your answer. So you need to move forward. And so I posted about needing a surrogate because my fertility doctor said, you know, people who have actually reached out to their community 
have really always had great success in finding a surrogate. And so Carl and I had actually interviewed three different agencies and we just didn't feel a hundred percent right yet. And it just is like a huge commitment. And so I just said, you know, maybe we should just, I should just do a post. And then if it doesn't work out, then we sign one of these agencies. And so I was recovering from this knee surgery. I really let myself grieve because to put that post out in the world, you're really like putting it out there. And so I almost threw up after I posted it. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this. But then it was just this flood of like so much love, so much support. And so the fertility clinic, um, this other angel on earth, Tanya, she's the surrogate director at Utah Fertility. Her and I worked together and I interviewed people and then she would interview them. And, you know, and then if they kind of passed the like interview, then Mm -hmm. you move on to get a medical eval to see if you get cleared. Anyway, in the meantime, Jamie had an appointment. I kept having to push the appointment back. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I still am not doing good. I need to move it back another week. It ends up being like a month later. I kept pushing our appointment back, including others. But I don't know if I told you this. Did I tell you what I thought you were going to say to me? Vaguely. You briefly <laughs> told me. <laughs> I'm firing you. All right. was, so she came in and she was kind of acting weird. And I was like, she goes, so I have a text written out to you, but I haven't sent it. I knew I was going to see you this week. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's going to fire me. She's yeah. canning me because I've had to move her appointment so many times. Like she works, she's busy. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I have never been fired in real life. Like she's going to can me. I was just like, so, um, so what did the text say? Cause I was like, just get this over with bless your heart that you think this is the right thing to do to fire someone to their face. Like this will be our last appointment. And she's like, so I want to be your surrogate. I was like, what? That is not what I thought you were going to say. I'm like, I need to sit down really quick. Sorry. I'm like in my brace, like lifting my leg up to sit down. I'm like, okay, start over. I'm like, wait, so have you always wanted to be a surrogate? Like it was hilarious. That was our first know about it. Yeah. It was amazing. And then she called the clinic that, or you have to email them. And she emailed and said, here's my appointment. And so because it had been like a month, I already had a couple other people that were getting medically cleared. And so we were planning on doing an implantation in July. And I kind of was like, should I do Jamie? But I already have this other person kind of lined up, but we had these two embryos. And so what's crazy that I think about a lot is I said to her, if you don't mind waiting I can have two babies close because in a perfect world, I was hoping that both of these embryos would work and that I would need to. So we implanted the first one in July and we lost it. And it was literally to this day, like the worst day of Carl and I's life. It was the most devastating, horrific situation. And it's no one's fault. Um, It just, that's just some of the risks with IVF and surrogacy. But um. So I, um, but before we even implanted, I just kept saying to Jamie, how would you feel like just to wait a few months? And she said, I can't do December, but I could do November or January. And so I was like, okay, let's just do January. Like Christmas will be over. So kind of just throwing it out there. And that's actually what ended up happening, which is amazing. But, um, so yeah, I, we kind of went through the process. And in October, I was like, I, it was like every single, I mean, that's a totally different story, but just a lot of beautiful, miraculous things happened Mm -hmm. that led me to like, you need to go with Jamie. Jamie is what is going to like the vehicle that like the person, the soul, the body that is going to bring your baby here. And so yeah, we implanted on January 10th and she just was so willing to like wait. Cause the first time we talked about it was like in April 
and yeah. an implant until January. And so she just, yeah, you're incredible. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And January's perfect because you're like, oh, we need a September baby. Um, when's your birthday? Do you want to tell people? My birthday is September 13th, which is in two days from yeah. when we are recording this. So Jamie, feel free in 48 hours. I would love that more than anything. <laughs> she actually, before we started, she was like, I would love to do it on Wednesday or Thursday. Yes. Oh yeah. my gosh. That's so exciting. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. This has been the most interesting, emotional and loving conversation. And Laura, I think that anyone who is listening that does not know you that well yet, it is impossible to, for anyone not to fall in love with Laura from the first second, from day one. So I, I kind of feel the same way about Jamie and I only met her at your baby shower. And I just think that it's so incredible that your paths came together and the story is just incredible of the timing and how it worked out. And I've loved being on this journey with you as emotional and as many hardships as you have had, Laura, it has been so rewarding and just fills my soul with so much happiness that this baby is already so loved. And we have been all just rooting for this for years and years. I know. I agree. You're so sweet. Wait, there are three questions, but they're like short answers. Like one of them wants to know, that, but they're very like do it or different people ask. So I just don't yes. want, it's like very fast. And, but I do think it's like a good, um, someone asked, so should I just really quick, just do the yeah, three quick questions. So we, um, one of the questions someone asked is, will the surrogate have any rights to the baby? How does that work right after birth? And we touched on this before. No, the surrogate does not have any legal rights. And um, it's, she doesn't have any legal rights, but the legal paperwork you have to complete before you even do the implantation. And then just with the Utah law, that's why some of this has taken longer, but it's usually done way before, but yeah. Um, Good to know. It doesn't have any legal rights. Um, and one of the other common questions people asked is cost. They want to know about cost. Um, unfortunately, everything in the fertility space is extremely expensive. And we actually are hoping to have someone who is the leading fertility specialist out in New York um, on the podcast. And I had a long conversation with him on all the ways they are working very hard to get costs down mm -hmm. with everything in the fertility space, because it's absolutely ridiculous and offensive. Um, mm -hmm. But as far as um, fertility costs are super expensive, but as far as surrogacy goes, it depends on it's different in every state. There's, um, averages and it's truly anywhere from 22,000 to like 80,000 just for like the one cost of okay. having a surrogate, but it just depends on where you live, um, yeah. what the nat what the like state average is. Um, and that's how they legally price it out. And it might be different with different agencies too. So unfortunately there's not just like one hard answer, but there's mm -hmm. a lot of other costs involved. You pay their health insurance, et cetera. So, um, we can like talk more when we do, um, a podcast about IVF and fertility about different costs, but, Oh, and then great. The last question that um, was also asked more than once is, do I have any regret not freezing my eggs sooner? And it's a really important question to be asked. And I would say 1000%, it's my biggest, biggest, biggest regret. 
And that's also something that we're trying to work hard on helping the cost of that go down mm-hmm. because I just, it was so hard. I was single. I had a mortgage. I, you know, supported myself oh. and, you know, it's the range is around $10,000 to freeze your oh. eggs. And sometimes it's a little less, sometimes it's a little more depending on where you live, but that's like a good mm-hmm. average. And it just was kind of hard to really like take, like bite the bullet and do it. But if there is one thing I could say to anyone, if you could do, even if you just make payments on it or do whatever, just if you're thinking about it, freeze your eggs, just do it. You will thank yourself later. Oh, I mean, that's so good to know because I would have never even thought about that. And I think it's hard when you're single, like you said, and you're, you you know, you don't just have 10 grand sitting around and that's a huge expense, but something that if it's, if if that's really what you want at any point, then sounds like you invest in yourself and do it. Yeah. Wow. For sure. Okay. Can we just say thanks to Jamie though, for being on the podcast with us? Cause she's been throwing up all morning. You guys so sick. The baby girl is ready to come out. She's ready. She is ready. And we're hoping it's the 13th. I'm like putting out all the good, all the good juju that like this baby is coming on my birthday. Well, you think the 13th, that's your guess. I'm saying the 13th. Okay. Come on, Jamie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and we will do another podcast after Yes. Um, the baby's born and after she's recovered, because it'll be fun to tell everyone like how it goes, because Jamie has done three um, natural child births. She's given I birth naturally to all three of her kids. She's a badass. I've been like, you need to be bragging about this more. She doesn't. Yes. Tell anyone, so I tell everyone. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I have loved having both of you on and I cannot wait for part two after the Bambino comes. We're so excited to meet her and love her and I cannot wait to meet her in person. So thank you both for being on and sharing this really emotional, vulnerable topic and letting the listeners learn a little bit about it. So thank you so much. Okay. Love you, Hales. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating and sharing the body pod with your friends. Until next time.